In this episode of 2000 Books, how to reclaim yesterday, enjoy today, and master tomorrow with new ways of seeing and working with your past, present, and future. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Phil Zimbardo is a world-renowned psychologist who is famous for conducting the wildly famous Stanford Prison Experiment. He has written over 60 books and 500 published articles. Dr. Zimbardo is currently 83 years old, and he just returned from traveling to China, Iran, Hungary, UK, France, and Italy. What a vibrant life at 83, Dr. Z. I'm really excited to have you on the show and learn from you and talk about Time Paradox. So, welcome. Glad to be on your show and glad to spread some new ideas. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, Let's start off by, um, let me ask you this question. Why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book, listen to this book? Well, my book, The Time Paradox, presents a paradox that should be critical for every entrepreneur to realize and to resolve. Namely, every single decision that they make, uh, whether big or small, is influenced by something inside them that they're unaware of. And once they become aware of it, those decisions can be made more wisely and effectively. And what's inside of your head is something I call time perspective psychology. Namely, that we all live in a both a chronological time world where we are obsessed with objective time, the time on our wristwatch, the time on our computer. But the more important time actually is subjective psychological time. It's the time in our minds. And what I have done is created a way to measure individual differences in time perspective. And time perspective simply is how each of us partitions the flow of our personal experience, our personal consciousness in time zones, in time categories, in time frames, and we're going to call it in time factors. And I've developed a scale that measures in a very precise way the extent to which any one of us is heavily focused on the past, the present, or the future. And, and for each of them, not only are you focused past, present, or future, but you could be focused in a positive or a negative way. And that, that influences everything you do constructively or destructively. Got it. And uh, as we get into the interview, we'll talk about the test and the scores. And I'll talk about my scores because I think that's pretty interesting to see how they might not be interested to see what you think and how they measure up against the most people uh, or the averages and stuff like that. So just a quick overview of your story and what led you to writing the book. The reason I have been interested in time perspective as a field of inquiry really started when I was a child. I grew up in poverty in the South Bronx, and one of the reasons we were poor is my father didn't like to work. He was the first son after seven sisters, so he was always a little prince. And he didn't like to work. He didn't like to do something where he had to serve other people. He thought people should be serving him. We had a family of six, and uh, we were, we were had to survive on welfare. And I could never get my father to do anything to constructively to make money. Although he was totally uneducated, he was a genius. He could play all musical instruments by ear, violin, p- mandolin, piano. But more impressively, in 1947, my father made an eight-inch television set from a wiring diagram 
at which we saw the Yankees and Giants World Series. And I charged kids 50 cents to see this amazing thing. Everybody in our tenement house wanted one. And I told my father, Dad, this is our breakthrough. This is how we can make money. I'll help you. My, I have two brothers. We'll all work together. And my father's answer was, no, it was a challenge to do one. I don't want to be bothered doing other things just for money. So here I was as a kid living with somebody who existed what we call total present hedonism, living for the moment. Hmm. And I knew that was a disaster. I knew that was not something that you could do if you had family obligations or obli any social obligations. And so I became excessively focused on the future, on the importance of being educated. So all education is about taking present hedonistic little kids and making them more future-oriented, planning, having to-do lists, setting goals, rewarding yourself for achieving goals. So really, my later interest uh, that resulted in the book, The Time Paradox, was really germinated in this early childhood experience. And of course, uh, you've been conducting research on this at Stanford, and uh, uh, that's what led, in some ways, also contributed to a lot of the book as we know it today. Oh, yeah. So, so the point is that once I began to think about uh, what kinds of different behavior emerge if, you're, if you live in the present or live in the past, live in the future which is independent of your intelligence. Uh, and that, in a way, it's really almost like a personality style, a response style. And so I and my students at Stanford began to do research where uh, we put people in different conditions to see what happens if you're focused on the present or the past or the future. Does it change the way you respond? And sure enough, it made a huge difference. And then what I decided to do, which is unusual for me, is to try to develop a scale a measure, like, like a personality scale, that people answer questions about how characteristic each item in our 56 items time perspective inventory, how characteristic is each item of you. Uh, and then we, we would score that, uh, and we gave the scale to thousands of people, along with many other measures, in order to see what does this new scale, the Zimbardo TPI, time perspective inventory, what does it relate to? And the answer is it relates to everything in a very dynamic way. Mm. Uh, so the scale now is being used around the world in, by researchers in virtually every country. It's been translated in 24 different languages. And the majority of items in the scale turn out to be universal, meaning uh, they mean the same thing in, in, in 24 different languages. So the scale can be so the scale is really now a universal scale, even though it was made primarily uh, in America uh, on on English speaking uh, people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll we'll get into the scale as we get into the interview. So let's let's talk about the book itself. Let's talk about maybe give our listeners a thirty thousand feet overview of the book. What should we expect from the uh, from the book? Well, essentially, we begin talking about. When I say we, my co-author, John Boyd, who was a graduate student at Stanford with me, uh, and uh, we did a number of experiments together, a number of cor correlational studies, uh, and we wrote the book in tandem. Uh, John, by the way, is uh, head of research, head of a major research pro project at Facebook. But our book really um, presents some very fundamental ideas, which after you hear them, you say, gee, that's simple, only we're the first ones frame them in this way. We really talk about the secret power of time. 
how time is the core uh, value, the core focus in almost everything we do. And because, because we develop different time orientations very early in life, depending on our family style, depending on our religion, depending on our cultural background, depending on our financial, educational level, we're unaware that our decisions are time-based, time frame. And so we teach, in our book, we teach you what does it mean to be focused on the present? What does it mean to be focused on the past? What does it mean to be focused on the future? Uh, and then we give many practical examples. And then we indicate what we think is ideal. What is a balanced time perspective? Now, the problem is developing a biased time perspective, meaning you live only in one time frame, which is not appropriate for many other things we want to do. So we teach you how to develop a balanced time perspective, which, which gives you a mental flexibility to move uh, optimally from one time zone to the other, depending on the situation, depending on the task. And then at the end of the book, we say, okay, now suppose you are excessively past-oriented. What can you do to be, get the balance? Suppose you're excessively present-oriented. Suppose you're excessively future-oriented. Um, and so we give very practical advice about that this time perspective is not immutable. It's not like a fixed personality trait. It is a response style. It is a way understanding uh, your relationship to your environment. This is great. And uh, now let's get into it and let's talk about the different uh, time perspectives. And towards the end, we'll talk about the action items as well. And in the interview, we usually like to focus on three key ideas. But here, again, I guess we will focus on three key ideas. We're going to focus on past, present, and future. Let's start with past. Uh, let's start with the past for focus on negative versus the positive and uh, how they affect us. Okay. So, Essentially, our measure asks you, when you think about your past, essentially, do memories come up which are positive, exciting, inviting of the good old days, or does those memories do just the opposite? Are they memories of a, a rejection, of failure, of abuse? And uh, it turns out many people code the past in these very extreme dichotomies. And so our scale measures the degree to which any person is past oriented toward the past in a negative way or oriented to the past in a positive way. And that distinction is enormous in terms of your mental health, as I'll describe in a minute. Other people, for other people, the past is really irrelevant. It's, it's, no, it's there. It's in the background. They hardly ever think about it. They never make decisions based on what they did before. They live in the present. Uh, all of their decisions, all their actions are based on things in the immediate situation. What things look like, what they smell like, what you feel like, what other people are saying or doing, things you can see here. But there's very, two very different ways to live in the present. For one, the most obvious way is what we call present hedonism. You live for pleasure and you live to avoid pain. You live to explore new things. You want novelty. You want stimulation. Uh, your main traits are um, seeking novelty, seeking um, uh, social, emotional, physical pleasure and stimulation. Um, and um, and you, you don't want conformity. You don't want consistency. You don't want sameness. You want differentness. Um, 
And we call those people present hedonists. A very different way of living in the present is, uh, is we call it present fatalist. Namely, for many people, especially people who are poor, people who are migrants, people who are immigrants, um, they say it doesn't pay to plan for the future. I'd like to do it, but it doesn't make sense because nothing I do makes a difference. I am nothing in the universe. Uh, uh, and that um, uh, my decisions are really not made by me. They're made by the authorities, things beyond me, by the, by the uh, finan- financial situation. By so essential, or in some cases, these people are, uh, have a religious foundation that believes that their decisions are made by Allah, by chance, by fate. We call these people present fatalists. And again, there's a huge difference between people who are focused on the, in the present on hedonism versus fatalism. The future is interesting. For all of those entrepreneurs out there, you live in a future-oriented world. All of your decisions are based on cost-benefit analysis, risk versus gains. When you have to make a decision, it's if I do A, what are the gains, what are the risks? If I do B, what are the costs, what are the benefits? Uh, and uh, if you're future-oriented, it encourages causal thinking, contingency thinking, whereas in past or, or present, people don't ever engage in that kind of thinking, that kind of logic. So what's good about being future-oriented is your life is well-planned. Your life is typically well-thought-out. You have, you have goals. You have to-do lists. You have ways of getting from where you are to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Being future-oriented is... I argue the main thing that a good education does, it teaches children to suppress living in the hedonistic moment, uh, to imagine what they, what they could achieve in the future with hard work, with effort. And um, on the other hand, what's bad about being excessively future-oriented is you take no joy in the present. You take no joy in friends, family, fun, even sexuality. Uh, because everything is grist for the future mill. Uh, and in extreme, you become a workaholic. And, and if you're a workaholic, that means you give up family, friends, social events to get your work done. And I'm going to argue that's, that's really bad. That's as bad as being a present hedonist. Now, there's another way of being future-oriented, a very, very different way. Depending on your religion, depending on your cultural values, life really begins after the death of the mortal body. Life begins when you die. Because at that point, you believe that there's a spiritual force that will make a decision whether you go to heaven or hell or some honorable place or dishonorable place. And so you live your life with that focus on uh, what we call a transcendental future that is after the death of the mortal body, the idea is your spirit mm-hmm. continues on and you want to live your current life so that when you die, you will go to heaven rather than some other place. So that's very different than being a future-oriented entrepreneur who has to-do lists, who has, has goals, means to goals. So, so those are the six main categories. Now, I should say that uh, our scale was developed uh, primarily with American uh, students, American business people. Uh, and recently, researchers in Germany and some other places have begun to look at a future negative, namely um, people who set goals sometimes feel I can't achieve them, that 
Uh, I don't have the ability. I don't have the skills. I don't have the teamwork. I don't have the finances. I don't have the uh, organizational support. I don't have the cultural support. Uh, my society is is in financial uh, turmoil. And so they're arguing that there should be a future negative factor uh, and researchers are developing a scale to measure that as well as our scale is just future, but it really is much more future positive. So, so now researchers are developing that negative future. The last thing I should mention before we move on is mm-hmm. um, what's missing in the present domain between hedonism and fatalism is a kind of sense of the Zen present moment. That is to live in the now, to live in the flow, to, to, be, to be in the moment. All the things you do when you meditate, when you are mindful. And in fact, we are in the process of developing an expanded present scale. With my daughter Zara Zimbardo and colleague Rose McDermott and I, we have developed a scale, we have tested it. Literally, we're in the process of writing, writing up our results for publication. So, that, so it makes it a little more interesting, a little more complex. Mm. Okay, so... So I'm going to I'm going to talk about my personal scores and I'd love to hear your feedback and uh, specific action items for me because I think that would uh, help uh, in many ways a lot of our listeners they might be in similar boats given that we're entrepreneurs. So here's my score as I took it on the ZTP here, here are my scores on the ZTPI. I took them on the timeparadox.com. Any of our listeners can do that as well. Find the test on the timeparadox.com. I am past negative 1.90, past positive 3.33, present fatalistic 1.44, present hedonistic 3.33, and futuristic 4.23. That's actually wonderful. It's a wonderful profile. Now, I I should mention that the scale that we have on uh, on on the internet does not include transpersonal. So now we're treating that as a separate one uh, we indicate how you could mm. how you could score that. So really, what your scores? So I should say, uh, most kinds of personality scales give scores that treat people as if they were a type, all or none. What's interesting about the Zimbardo Time Perspective Inventory is it gives people a range of scores so that everybody has a little bit of each of the the different factors. And the, the question is, how much mm-hmm. are you? Uh, past positive, past negative, present fatalistic, etc. So your scores uh, are what we would consider uh, ideally balanced, meaning it is always best to be low on past negative, always low on present fatalism. Because those two factors relate to a whole host of really negative uh, characteristics, negative experiences in life. Your profile is what we would consider to be ideally balanced. Maybe a little too high on future, which means you're probably a lot more workaholic than we would like. It's good to be high mm-hmm. on present hedonism, but only selected present hedonism. Meaning, uh, and this is the advice we give, that is, when you're future-oriented, you set goals, you set agendas, and then you have to build in a reinforcement. When you achieve something, you have to take a time out rather than just go to your next uh, work item and you find, what is it you want to reward yourself with? Get a massage, watch a, watch a good movie, have a drink with a friend, you know, uh, go, to a, go to a favorite uh, coffee house or cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, a balanced time perspective is high on past positive, 
relatively high but not extreme on future and and uh, and moderately high on selected present hedonism but always low uh, past negative and low present fatalism that's that's our perfect profile and by perfect it means that there's lots of new research saying that people with a balanced high perspective are much more effective uh, as workers and making making decisions in terms of uh, health healthcare outcomes uh, that is a huge range of very p- positive optimal consequences of having that balanced time perspective. We call it BTP, you know, balanced time perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what, like, looking at my profile, I can see, and I realize that that I'm very heavily future focused in some ways. But, and that can be a detriment sometimes because there and what the things that you identified, which is you know not enjoying the present enough and, and not uh, giving enough time to dating or uh, you know sometimes to family, friends, fun, all of those in in you know you, I give yeah. those up. It's it's one of the main problems with people in the tech industry, which tend to be more men than women, is that. To succeed in a very competitive business like all of technology, you have to work really hard. I mean, there's, in many of the cases, it's not it's not a you know an eight to five job. It's there's there's no limit. You when you when you if you go to the office when you come home, your life is on your computer, and you you work and you're accessible by other people. And typically, if you're in a global business, it's it's around the world at any day or time or day or night. You have to be available. And in, in too many cases, people are giving up, as you said, social life, friends, family, even even sex. Uh, we can talk about the sex part later because now what they're substituting is online pornography for real, real life uh, romantic relationships. So that's what we're saying is that mm-hmm. we want to not have extremely high future-oriented. We want to have moderately high. We want to have that counterbalance with moderately high selected present hedonism the problem with present hedonism when it gets too high is it leads to all addictions because anything you do which is pleasurable uh, you want to just keep doing and you never think about if I keep doing this what are the negative consequences and that's what all addicts uh, that's the the vision of all addicts gambling addicts, food addicts, sex addicts uh, video game addicts pornography addicts that is you start off enjoying this event, and then uh, the event has no limits, and it, it it begins to consume you. So, in some ways, it is present positive hedonistic, in the sense the positive things are the things that we need to do more of or be more enjoy. Yeah, we, we don't make that distinction, but it is it is present positive hedonism, meaning doing things that give you enjoyment but things that are not intrinsically addicted by doing too much of them. Um, okay, so we've been, we've been talking a lot about all these different time perspectives. Now let's talk about specific action items that we can take um, and maybe specific action items for each of the three different types when people are stuck in the past negative or present fatalistic or even uh, too high of future. In our book, The Time Paradox, Zimbardo and Boyd, we have whole chapters on suppose you want to change your time perspective. What can you do? So we have a whole section on if you are living in a negative past, what are the kinds of things you could do about it? If you want to have 
more future orientation if you're if you're too past and too present oriented and you want what are the things you can do if you want if you're too future oriented what kinds of things can you do and we really have we lay out recipes very specific kinds of things about um oh uh and sometimes it means a life change i mean the kinds of friends you have if if all of your friends are of that same type you know, then it's going to be hard to change because friends put social pressure on you. So if you're in a a, a beer drinking group or a poker game group um, or a watching, you know, um, you know, playing group group um, video games, mm-hmm. then it's going to be hard to break out of being present hedonistic. Okay, so let's get a little more specific here. I'm going to ask you a very specific action item. So if someone is past negative, what is one thing they can do to move towards past positive? The main thing is revisit revisit your past. Uh, assume that what you have is before you is a slide tray filled with m- many negative images. And now we try to put in, in the blank spaces, as many positive things that happen. No one in the world has had only negative experiences. It's only that you have selected a few and highlighted them and made them uh, excessively visual for you. Even people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, which we now treat successively, successfully with Zimbardo Time Perspective Therapy, that's another book called uh, Time, uh, Time Therapy, um, um, that even those people who, veterans who have suffering from PTSD, when we when we work with them, essentially we say, think of something that happened when you were in Iraq, which was good. And everybody has something good. Think of something when you were in Afghanistan or Iran or where, wherever you were that you had a bad experience that dominated it. It's simply that you're focusing on one thing. But now think about what are the other good things. For example, if you're a veteran, you know, did you have any good buddies? Tell me about who they were. Did your family write to you or Skype to you or send you gifts? Yes. Did you meet any Iraqi children or people who were caring and loving? Of course, yes. So essentially, it's diluting the excessive negative past Mm -hmm. by putting in some more cleansing, positive past images. And this is what we do successfully in our therapy. And it's the same thing with, with, um, with the others. It's like... Uh, if we want to change the, f- the future, it's, you know, uh, you know, look at your to-do list. Uh, is there any way you can shorten? Is there any way you can prioritize it? Uh, is there any way you can spread it out rather than everything is due tomorrow? Uh, make, spread it out for several days. Any way you can delegate it to other people? Is there any way you could organize a team to do the work that you don't have to do all the work? So really it's getting people to think differently about themselves, their to-do list, the tasks around them. Uh, and beginning to you know make uh, compromises and decisions. Uh, I don't have to do it all myself. Uh, in fact, uh, I will be probably more effective if I form a squad of other people that were working on this problem together. Uh, in the same way, if you are present hedonistic, uh, it really is taking time to uh, take stopping, taking time to make a list of what are all the things you do each day that gives you pleasure. And that list is enormous. And what would happen if you stopped doing any one of these? Uh, what would happen if you started thinking about setting a goal? What, what would you like to do tomorrow? What would you like to do this weekend? How about planning a vacation for next week? 
So people are present hedonistic, for example, never make a reservation uh, to go to any place, to a restaurant, uh, uh, to a, a vacation place. They often typically don't even go away on vacation because it, it involves too much planning. Uh, so it's teaching them simple, basic planning skills, which are all about imagining a future in which some things will happen, but only if you make the reservation, only if you plan precisely. So as I said, we have whole chapters in The Time Paradox about each of these time zones uh, and, and how, to, how to make them work for you rather than against you. Great, great. So, so Dr. Z, we've covered quite a lot of ground here. We've talked about the different time scales and perspectives, and we've, you know, been talking about specific things we can do to 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 get better at this, to to kind of get a balance on these things. If you were to give one parting piece of guidance to our ambitious entrepreneurs who are the listeners of the show, what would it be, given your perspective on this on the time paradox? Please go online and look for Zimbardo, The Secret Powers of Time. It's a 10-minute lecture I gave in London, which uh, is illustrated by uh, cartoonists from the Royal Society of Art, Royal Society Animation. And it not not only covers what we've said here, but uh, it it also extends these ideas in new and very interesting creative ways. It's absolutely brilliant. So that's the first advice I would give. The second bit of advice when I end my talk is, you know, to be there. There are two ways to be successful. There's one to be successful in business, financially. Uh, you you make you make a lot of money. Or you have a uh, you have a um, a lot of prestige. But uh, you have to make you have to understand what are you sacrificing for that. And in the long run, when you look back on your career five, ten, twenty years from now. Uh, are you going to describe your career as empty and meaningless? And in fact, many middle managers in a, in a recent survey said exactly that. These are people who are 50, 60 years old saying, I'm really successful in these are middle level managers in my career. But when I look back on my life, I, I can't find any meaning. The fact that my toilet paper company was turned out to be the best in the world with the softest tissues doesn't have any significance for my future being. And so we mm-hmm. say, make time. Become a time maker. Make time first for family. Make time next for friends. Make time to do things that are fun and personally enriching. Make time to do something that's challenging, that's new, uh, that's different. Make time to visit a new place, a new space. Make time to develop a new ha- hobby. Uh, and then make, ultimately, given my Sicilian background, make time for romance. Uh, mm-hmm. And so these are things that, you know, they're just slogans, but behind them are all the things that many people who are entrepreneurs, many, not entrepreneurs only, academics, I mean, you know, many, many academics I know, including me, uh, work as hard or harder than, you know, most entrepreneurs. I published more than 60 books and more than 500 articles. Those are all done alone. I mean, even if you have a co-author, you're in your room alone, uh, writing longhand or uh, typing. Uh, and, you know, to write a good book takes a year, to, uh, two years. I wrote a book, The Loser Effect, took two solid years to do. And during that time, writing in isolation. Uh, but then what I do, as soon as I finish, I try to make up for it. Have, have, have 
friends for dinner, have parties, visit people. Uh, so essentially, it's what do you have to do that at some point in your life to say, have I led a good life? Have I led a balanced life? Have I succeeded financially? Have I succeeded in my career? But does anybody like me? Do I like to do things? What am I using all my money for? Um, uh, should I be spending some time volunteering for, for important social services? Should I donate money to the Zimbardo Heroic Imagination Project that makes people um, um, uh, learn how to be everyday heroes that make the world better in some way every day? So, so it's really stepping back and saying the Zimbardo Time Perspective Inventory and the Time Paradox is one way to freshen up to freshen up your, your mind to say, what am I doing? What's good about what I'm doing? What's not as good as it could be? And how do I want to personally select the future life uh, uh, focus that is going to make me have a, a happy and meaningful life? Mm. So let me, uh, I, I wanted to uh, say that would be the end of this interview, but now I'm intrigued. I want to ask you, is it, given what you just said, is it possible to have it all in the sense to have really wildly successful business life and at the same time have all of these other aspects of life uh, really fulfilling as well? Is that what we're uh, going after? Or are we saying, well, we need to sacrifice a little bit here and there in order to have a more balanced life? No, I, I, without being egocentric, I think I have that. I mean, this, uh I am financially successful by writing by writing many books that are very successful. I have many friends. I have many fans. I have many uh, non nonprofit foundations around the world. Um, I am at eighty three, still traveling around the world. I just came from China and Iran and Budapest and Sicily and London and Paris, and so I enjoy traveling. I enjoy giving lectures. Uh, essentially, almost everything I do, I do it. Uh, because it's enjoyable or I learn how to make it enjoyable. So, yeah, so I think it's possible to have it all. That's great. I did not know you were 83. And I think that's where uh, what you just said was the summation of all this discussion in the sense that we need to be able to enjoy it. And that's where we can get the most, uh, uh, most out of life in some ways. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Zimbardo. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they find the books? Um, yeah, and- so it's on Amazon, just The Time Paradox, uh, understanding how time time can change your life. And then also there's the, the Time Therapy, which is the follow-up. I think while you're doing that, it's interesting for people to look at uh, my book, which is very different, The Lucifer Effect, uh, understanding how good people can turn evil. Uh, now that book is now in 22 languages it's it's become a classic around the world um so i i think those three books would make good good summer reading for for anybody entrepreneurs as well as uh, ordinary people great well thank you very much dr c this has been a pleasure and i learned a lot from your wisdom from your perspective and i'm sure all our listeners benefit from it thank you so much bunny So, my ambitious friends, I have a very important question for you. What is the single biggest indicator and predictor of success? Because in my reading of over 1,000 books, I have found out that there is one common thread, one common indicator 
that ties all of the greatest success stories in this world. And this is a factor that has been emphasized again and again and again in the greatest books ever written on the topic of accomplishing our goals. The greatest thinkers and achievers have all said the same thing. From Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic philosopher 2,000 years ago, to the greatest UFC fighters of today. And from champion athletes like Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan to big-time entrepreneurs like Elon Musk. So here at 2000 Books, we have created a 90-day course specifically on this topic, where we summarize 40 of the greatest books ever written on this topic. So reading these books, reading these 40 books can take you almost 250 plus hours. And if you read one hour every day, Monday through Friday, every week, this reading can take you a year. But what we have done is we have summarized the knowledge from these books into daily five to 10 minute bite-sized videos so that you can absorb a new idea or a couple of new ideas every single day and take action on them, take action on them. And Build them over time over a period of 90 days. So come check out this course at 2000books.com slash tough. That's T-O-U-G-H, tough. Or text the word tough, T-O-U-G-H, to 44222 and get more information on this course. The course is now live and you can join at any time. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside of the course.